0: This is iFanboy Media Explode Fanboy Media explode The first episode of our all-media monthly show that was unlocked by the patrons over at Patreon.com/IFanboy. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello, Connor Kilpatrick and Ron Richards. How could I miss this? I couldn't. This has been a stretch goal for a long time. Unlock the monthly Media explode and this is a special circumstance. This we had a. Uh, Crazy and crazy awesome patron Who unlocked the eccentric benefactor Level It was indeed an eccentric benefactor And mm-hmm. by doing so he's going to guest star On our, our regular weekly pickle Week podcast but also in doing so Unlocked the At least one episode of the media explode show So hopefully you like what you hear and if you do You'll uh, join up the patreon.com Because this is be the only episode Unless things change next month Because we'll go back down to normal
1: so they got to get the, the Patreon pledges up over $3,000 per month, right, to unlock this, to keep it Correct. unlocked.
0: Correct. Right? Correct.
1: So it's not it's not far off. No. It's been dangling there for a while. It just needed to, need to push off the cliff, so to speak.
0: Correct. So if you wanted to add more work to our already busy lives, this is how you do it. And we're excited to talk about media. This is a monthly version of our very popular end-of-the-year all-media show in which we talked about things that aren't comics, TV and movie and music and books and things. And it just so happens that this show was unlocked during a time in which there are no films being released, (laughs) TV is up in the air, and there's no shows to go to. It's a very strange time for media is what I'm saying because of what's going on with the coronavirus. So. Strange timing, indeed, as we try to figure out what we're going to talk about in the show. But what this did tell us was, hey, many people are home. Many jobs are saying work from home. You're home now. And we know that you're, quote, working from home and definitely not watching things on streaming. And we figured we'd start the show off by recommending <laughs> some things to watch. Let's say you're home and you're, you need something in the background while you're working. Or you definitely need to pay attention to your job, but you also have things in the background. Uh, what can we recommend to those listening at home who haven't a lot of experience working from home? What can we recommend to those who watch from home?
1: I was just saying earlier today that you know, what's going on in the world is, you know, concerning and horrible and, and difficult and all stuff like that. But man, of all the times in history for it to happen, sure. when there is so much media that can come into your household with a click of a button, you know, like even if this happened 20 years ago, we we would be frantically, like everyone everyone was buying toilet paper, we'd be frantically running to Best Buy to buy DVDs. 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, exactly. 10 yeah. years ago, you had some of it, but not nearly this much. 15 years yeah. ago, for sure. You'd have to you know you burning through your your d v d collection, but now you right. have an endless variety of things to watch, and as all of us have worked from home, Josh has been working from home for twelve years now. I worked from home for a good five years straight. We all have experience doing so Josh, let's start with you yeah. What can you recommend to listeners and they are listeners They are listeners What can they watch while they're home on their various streaming services
2: now this is this is going to be a very josh centric thing, although you would both find interest in this. I like to go big. I like to say, like, what's the longest I can sort of get into something and stick to it? Mm -hmm. And I watched on Amazon Prime the American Experience PBS series New York City, New York, by Rick Burns, the younger brother of Ken Burns. But if you change the name for all intents and purposes to Ken Burns-type documentary in New York City, I believe it is somewhere around 22 to 23 hours. And it gives you the history of the city from its sort of earliest inception up through after 9-11 because there's one episode that they brought out like with the baseball series they brought it out sort of after the the doping scandals and they sort of added one more so they did a long like a two-hour episode on the world trade center in general like most of it was you know the sort of conception the struggle to get it made and what people thought of it and then you know through the attacks and through the aftermath and everything um which was fascinating on its own but the rest of it you know takes you to the earliest History of the city with, like, sort of this, you know, all that stuff is amazing archive in terms of art and then photos and then footage and things like that. I learned, you know, like, there's a lot of those names that you see around the city. And I don't know, Connor, you, you grew up there, so you probably got a lot more education in this. But, like, I didn't know who DeWitt Clinton was. Mm. I didn't know, you know, who Peter Stuyvesant was. I didn't know all that stuff. Hoyt oh, Schirmer, the Shermerhorns Schirmer-Horn Yeah, the Schirmerhorns. Yep. It was a really great look at... Just how the city was and what it became and why.
0: Two questions for you. Yeah. How long did they spend on Bill the Butcher?
2: Not terribly long. In fact, I my, don't. My, well, my that... guess was not long enough. <laughs> I mean, anything would have been not long enough. But I don't think he was mentioned. They did spend a lot of time on talking about how unimaginably awful the slums were back then. Yeah. Like, like worse oh, for than for any sure. slums ever. And I don't. I don't think people have. It's really hard to picture it. If you're in lower Manhattan now, it's, it's hard to imagine. Like, that was the worst place to live in the world.
1: How long is the whole series, like, the total
2: watch time? 22, 23 hours. Wow. Okay. So that's a, that's a good chunk. Each episode is, like, you know, a hair under two hours, I think. And I want to say there's nine or 10 of them. Okay. So
0: sell this to someone who hasn't grown up in New York, hasn't lived in New York, doesn't know why they need to know about New York. Why should they watch this series?
2: It's a fascinating historical document of just sort of seeing how things used to be. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you've. The, my, I think one of the most fascinating things, one that I keep coming back to, is they talked about how the building of the Empire State Building started right, right when the stock market crashed, and you know everyone was scrambling for work or doing whatever, and they put up, they put up that building from soup to nuts in like thirteen months,
0: which is crazy considering New York construction.
2: Yeah, they were doing a floor a day. And, you know, they were trying to get it done. And there's this amazing footage. Uh, So the riveters, guys who were putting all the beams together, they worked in four-man teams. And if one guy was sick, the whole team couldn't work. So, like, they had to go. And there's this footage of, like, the one guy roasting the rivet, you know, in, like, his charcoal fire Mm -hmm. with these two pincers. And he just turns and flings it. Red-hot piece of metal, a thousand feet in the air, and flings it over to another guy who just sort of catches it with a metal funnel thing he has and then they put it you know like into the building they go and they would just do this like musically sing song over and over you know for days there was something like i think there were only five deaths Hmm. you know and also like you can see the footage but it's hard to it's hard to comprehend that under them is just people air no, no, like, you're standing up there. That's one thing. I was like, I can't stand on a ledge, you know, like, and they're just standing up there. And, yes, there's people. So they drop a rivet.
0: Somebody's going to – it's going to melt straight through their head. Everyone's seen the photos of those guys eating lunch on the yep. beams, you know, the famous photos. Watching them move, though, is a whole No, I can already feel my oh. scrotal area tensing up. Because yeah. Josh and I used to work in the Empire State Building. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We worked on the seventy-third floor, and, and just being that high up and looking out the window would yep. cause fun, fun fact
1: about that. In your office, there were no. You could open the windows yes. and just no, lean out. Yes, no um, sirens, no which guards. I, which I did several times, and I made it about maybe a third of my body out the yep. window before I couldn't go any further. No, no, so. it's
0: yep. it's absurd.
2: And if yeah. you left, like, like also to understand, like, if you left the window open a crack, you got there in the morning. There was not a paper in place. <laughs> Like the, the entire place would be shambles, and th- you're thinking about standing up there having lunch. Anyway, like that's one tiny part. You know, th- they talk a lot about how, you know, th- it's the capital of America for many, many, many ways, and they talk about why, and I- it's all super interesting. They talk about, you know, after the war what happened, then after, you know, in the '70s what happened, and a lot of Robert Moses. Excellent. It was. She's it great. was. It She's was good. really.
0: Or not enough, Robert Moses. No, there was ever enough. We've,
2: we've had a lot. Of, we've had perhaps, I think we've, the city has definitely had too much Robert Moses. <laughs> <laughs> he might have wanted to stop after the Triborough.
0: <laughs> so that's that's an Amazon Prime.
2: Yep. Yeah. I th- it might be on if you're PBS. It might be on the PBS app if you're a, a member.
0: Yeah. I'm going to recommend on Netflix, Love is Blind. No, don't watch that unless you hate yourself. Why? The Repair Shop which is a a series that originated in England on BBC Two. It's recently moved to BBC One. It started as a daytime show. Now it's moving to primetime. It's on its fifth season in England, but there are two seasons available on Netflix, which is about 30 episodes. So about 30 hours. And it's the perfect show to watch in the background while you're working. Whereas I'm not going to denigrate Josh's choice, but you really probably want to pay attention to that show for the repair shop. You can have it on the background. You can do your work but you can also, you know, check in when things get exciting. And it's a show about these adorable British artisans in this barn somewhere in England who repair people's items, their their family heirlooms, their antiques. They bring them back to their original luster. It's a reality show where, you know, three they do 3 items a show and some adorable old English couple shows up with their old clock and it gets fixed, and they tell a story about their clock and how they, their family got it, and their grandfather made the clock, and he was blind, and you cry, and everyone cries, and then they fix it, and everyone cries again. It's wonderful. I recently found this show and watched the two seasons available in the space of about two days. I couldn't stop watching it. Mm. It fills my need to watch people tinker with things. There's a woodworking guy, there's a clock guy, there's an upholstery guy, and they bring in specialty people for, like, old gramophones or old pinball machines, Ron. Ooh, ooh. There's a whole team that does old uh, teddy bears and stuffed animals, and they, they fix people's things. And because it's England, there's a long history. So this, this woman brings in her teddy bear that she had when she was a child through the Blitz, and it was the only thing she kept from the Blitz, and it kept her you know, happy while they were bombing. And then now she's 80, and it's falling apart, so they fix it. And she's presented with it, she starts crying because it's a thing from the 40s. And like Mr. Burns' bear. Exactly. And it's very heartwarming, but it's full of interesting. If you're someone like me who's into fixing things and into, you know, woodwork and, and that kind of thing, it's, it's, it's also got a lot of that. I'm hoping that the, the, the next three seasons, which have come out in England, uh, but not here, will end up on Netflix soon. And if you watch it, if you've seen it, you'll know why I have a photo of Steve, the clockmaker, on my desktop background. Oh. Because he's awesome. He seems like the nicest man in the world. The repair shop it's great for the kind of TV show you need in the background while you're working from home. Ron, you better come with some fiction.
1: I was going to say, you guys are really, I mean, like, we went into this with very, not, I would say very little prep, but we didn't really, like, we didn't talk about what we were going to recommend before, and you guys went in very different directions, and and uh, before I get to kind of my pick and my recommendation, I will throw out a couple of uh, tools that you could use for planning your binge sure. watching and your streaming. There's a great website, that an app that both, I know Josh and I use, I don't know if Connor uses, but it's called Just Watch.
0: Oh. I have it bookmarked on my bar Yeah, here.
1: Just Watch is basically the, the your tool to find out where anything and everything is streaming. You think of any TV show or movie, it will show you on all the different platforms that is available. You can filter the platforms that you subscribe to or that you use. It makes it really easy to find things. So Just Watch is a must-have. And then as I was researching this, I discovered the website called bingeclock.com. Hmm. Which actually has a database of every TV show, and it calculates the runtime of episodes to tell you how long it would take to watch through everything. Let's just say I was going to recommend HGTV's House Hunters. <laughs> it would take you 13 days and 14 hours to get through every episode of House Hunters. That's it. That's it. Well, that's that's it feels 24 like that hours straight. should be more straight. than that. Yeah. No. It's it's that it is actually the 277th longest binge watch. I will give you each a chance to guess um what do you think is the longest binge watch according to bingeclock.com Gunsmoke Okay oh.
2: uh, That's something something Long Order SVU <laughs> They still USA still hasn't gotten through it I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm having. A, I'm having a hard time blanking. Like a soap opera of some kind. Like, like Josh General Ding hospital? Ding Ding,
1: a uh, Guiding Light. Yeah. Okay. Uh. It would be 591 days and one hour to get through every episode of Guiding Light. Are those available to? Do I don't that? think so. The, the, binge okay. clock does, the binge clock does. not. Aff- does not worry about It might be
0: on All access.
1: It might be actually. It's I don't it's know a about CBS all of them, show.
0: But, yeah. I think it's a CBS show.
1: So in terms of what my recommendations and all the stuff, at first I was like, oh well, you know, like. Twin Peaks is a great one if you've never yeah. watched. And selfishly, you know, it's a favorite of ours and that sort of thing. You could su- super get into that, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna recommend that. Uh, we just did the uh, iFanboy Patron Hangout. We we're talking about Picard, and you know, there are so many seasons of Star Trek: The Next Generation or oh, Star yeah. Trek: Deep Space Nine. You can get lost in Star Trek. But actually, you know, I think you want to bring some levity and some you know kind of you know kind of humor into the world. And I'm looking for a show that there's actually will guarantee you enough laughs and give you enough to be on through to get you through the work days. And if you haven't gone down the "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" rat hole, I strongly recommend that. Hmm. It's a really the, good the, suggestion. The, the FX show "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." I believe there are nine seasons. I um,
2: did that. I did well because I work yeah. at home, so I I went through that. I binge that. Yeah, so, yeah, that
1: worked. Basically, the way I like to describe it to people is that it's it's fucked up Seinfeld. A group of four, <laughs> group of, That's correct. group of four friends, three guys, one girl. They run a bar in Philadelphia, and then Danny DeVito joins the cast in season two. And it is some of the – I will say some of the most creative and very consistently funny – I mean – you know, inappropriate, raw, you know, but like not brainless. But like, it's like, com- coming from the right place, inappropriate. Coming from the though. right place, exactly. Yeah, very clever, very Seinfeld esque, clever plot directions and the way things tie and weave and ongoing jokes and things like that. It's really something you can get lost in. So I, I recommend it's always where on. is
0: that streaming?
1: Uh, probably on Hulu, I believe. It's not, it uh, is on Hulu right now. Yeah, it's on mm-hmm. Hulu. I'm sorry. It's got 14 seasons.
0: Yeah, they said they've, they're not going to stop, they said they yeah. can keep
1: going forever. And so you can stream all fourteen seasons on Hulu. you can buy them if you wanted to on Amazon and Google Play and Apple and all that fun stuff. Basically, Hulu's the where you want to go for that one.
2: What's awesome about that show is like it's kind of a punk DIy show Oh for sure. Like yeah. they were just like, "Well, we can't get hired or anything we like, so let's make our own show." and like what a success
1: yeah and i will give I will give f x credit for supporting them for years, and I hope they never go away.:
0: Yeah, I've seen Dennis at my gym many times <laughs> nice. All those people were
2: on ER at some point, too, before that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go back
0: to 2012. I'm at MorrisonCon, a little show that Ron put on in Las Vegas celebrating Grant Morrison. It was a fun
1: time. Nearly died. I
0: was at a panel, watching a panel. I think it was the writer's panel, and they were discussing the books that they really liked reading. And Jonathan Hickman, one of the guests of the show, mentioned he just read a book called Leviathan's Wake. Mm -hmm. And he really liked it, and he recommended it to everybody. And so then about a month later... I was randomly at a bookstore in Los Angeles for an event, for a book reading, and I was wandering around the store before the reading, Killing Time, and I saw they had a display with Leviathan's Wake and the next two chapters, which was Caliban's War and Abaddon's Gate. And I said, oh, that was that book Hickman recommended. I should pick that up. Oh, they have all three of the trilogy here. I'll get them. (laughs) And I bought them. They sat on my shelf for, I think, a year, along with my other to read books and I finally got to read them. They were the first three chapters of the expanse series, the nine books series from the pen name James S.A. Corey. And I told Ron about them because he's also a sci-fi fan. You got to read these books, they're terrific.
1: Well, so I don't remember I don't remember what year it was, but you bought me the first one. I think probably for Christmas, yeah. And I don't know if I read it immediately, but once I started reading it, I could not put it down. And then, you know, basically they have J. James S.A. Corey, which is the pen name of the writing duo of Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank. And they have, like clockwork, put out a new book. Every year, with the exception of 2018, there was a gap between 2017 and 2019 when books came out. And I was actually had Daniel Abraham on my Twin Peaks podcast, Damn Fine podcast. We had him on as a guest, and we got to chat with him a little bit about that, and it was awesome. But yeah, I, Connor, I'm right there with you. Got sucked into this. The Expanse really scratched a, a realistic sci-fi itch, the kind of books that I'd like that I hadn't read in a while, and it really just nailed it.
0: So Ron and I have been reading these books for about seven years, give or take been yeah. seven years we've got we're the eighth book is out right now i'm in the middle of the eighth book i'm, I'm about four fifths of the way through the eighth book the ninth and final book comes out at some point they haven't announced the, the date yet and so ron and i have been faithfully reading these books for seven years and then josh comes along recently and goes hey guys what should i read and we sort of joked said the expanse and then he read them all not only did he read them all but he's then passed he us no wait,
1: wait, Josh. Did you? Yes, he's passed us because I have not finished uh, *Timatzerath*, the the eighth book. But Josh, did you start watching the show first no. or read the book no. first?
2: So okay, before I get into that, like, I do have a question. Yes. And I know that I am a finicky person, but like, did you tell me to read this at the time, or did you? I don't just think not I did because
0: it? I don't think of you as someone who reads sci-fi books. <laughs> you know what I mean. He quietly sure. judges you, Josh. We all have our Venn diagrams, the three of us, and we all overlap yeah. in certain ways. And I know like, if I read a really cool history book, I'm going to tell Josh about it, but not Ron. Right. If I read a really cool sci-fi book, I'm going to tell Ron about it, but not Josh, because I don't think of you as someone who reads a lot of sci-fi. And I could be wrong about that. It just could be we never talked about it. Ron and I have talked about Asimov and talked about Heinlein and a lot of books we've read as kids, sci-fi books <laughs> growing up, watched Star Trek as kids. and that was Ender's you, Game.
2: Yeah, something you were into. I've actually read all those books, though.
0: Right, but we just never talked about it, so it wasn't in my head That's to fine. recommend to you sci-fi That's books. That's fair. I'm not offended. I just
2: thought, was it a conscious decision to be like, oh, he won't like this?
0: No, no it's just like I don't recommend Ron history books like I talked to you
2: about. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, but uh, basically I got this dog, and I was walking hours a day, and I have like an Audible subscription. And normally what I do is I bu- I find like the longest history book I can, and I get them one at a time until I finish it, like on my road bike or whatever. But I was going through them real fast, and so... I was. I asked for a book, and Connor's like, "Why? Why don't you get that one?" And I went, "All right, you know, because I I know you guys were talking about it." And I don't the thing know that why I, I recommend
0: it was, to you, I really don't know why.
2: I just remember that, like, when you guys were talking about it on the all the year end media show, yeah, like it was, you were you were into it, yeah, like it was yeah. like that addiction thing, and I was like, that, you know, maybe that'll happen, and pretty quick, I was I was into it. You know, it's like any when you start out a, a book. You know, like, you don't really know what world you're entering. And I got to the end. It was first I thought, why does Ron like this? Because the first book is a little like a police procedural.
0: It's yep. kind of
2: a murder story, yeah. like a cop yeah. story. And then all the other books tend to take different genres. There's a Western one. there's a Then it's just fucking bad shit. And no, I did not watch the TV show. Although, after the first book, I was really curious to see. Because you guys liked the show, too. And I was like, I want to know what that's like. But I wanted to make sure that I did not go past what I had read because I didn't want to spoil the books because books are better than TV, I just they are you know yeah, for it, it's, sure. in in terms of long form storytelling and really get into it, I don't want not even to be spoiled I don't want to be influenced so when I watched the show
0: well hold, 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 hold on let's, yeah. let's let's pause for a second. So the Expanse is a TV show, but it's also the name of a book series, mm-hmm. and the the basic premise of the book series and the show is that in the future. You have the human race has expanded beyond Earth. There's a faction of the human race living on Mars, and there's a faction of the human race living within the asteroid belt. They're called Belters, and they've grown up living in a zero G of the belt, mining the various asteroids in the asteroid belt. And so you've got these three factions: you've got the Earthlings, you've got Martians, and you have Belters. And it, it's a it's a class. I mean, in the beginning of the series is about the tension between those three groups, and then in the first book. There's a, there's a mystery, a murder mystery. You follow a cop, played by Thomas Jane on the TV show. There's there's a bunch of main characters, but one of the characters is a cop who's m- investigating a murder while you, you also are following these guys on a ship. Mm-hmm. And by the time you get to the latest book, the stories have blown up to this whole geopolitical – geo is not even the right word. Ge- galactic not, it, political yeah. story about the human race, which has expanded into multiple planets, multiple galaxies – not galaxies, but multiple planets within the, the Milky Way because of this technology that's introduced in the first book. By the end, you've got sort of a Nazi th- thing going on. It has expanded beyond your wildest dreams once you read the first book. By the time you, When you read the first book and you look where it's gone by the time you get to the eighth book, it's this, this giant world that's been built.
1: But it was built it, 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 Very through, the, through, the, through those eight books. I mean, Expanse really does, when you think about ex- the term, it, it the Expanse expands, series, yeah, yeah, the, yeah the, the book series does expand and it builds in a momentum through the eight books that is logical and easy to grasp and to follow like that's the thing about it is that you know like there's you know I kind of look at science, there's science fiction kind of falls in a, in a few different kind of categories or genres but like the, the science fiction that I, that I always enjoyed the most with the exception of Star Wars which is more you know which science, is science fiction myth space opera but yeah. like yeah, but the thing the thing that I loved about Star Trek was that oh wow, this is a possible future. This is like, you know, like the, the even the original Star Trek series had callbacks to our our culture and our, you know, kind of thing like this. And The Expanse picks up on that thread where all of this is within our species' uh lifetime, you know, yeah. like where this is this is happening way in the future and they're still on Earth and the the same politics and the same kind of conflicts that we have on Earth spill out onto Mars, onto the the you know, other movies and the belt and things like that and and then grows you know to this huge you know to the you know to the entire galaxy thanks to some of the the, the thing that happens in the book about halfway through or earlier
2: a little like a third of the way through it, it's it's graspable yeah but but it's 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 expansive but i think yeah. that the way that i've been describing it is like it's like game of thrones but instead of fantasy dragons medieval it's hard sci-fi and then there are characters you actually like. Correct. Like there are good people. Like this it's funny because I don't want to spoil things. Don't. There's two characters I'm not. There's two characters who get together and it's way better after they do and that doesn't usually happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like 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 there's this theme of a, a bunch of characters have these really solid relationships with their significant other and it's like absolute once they find it and it, it it's like in in the midst of all this stuff i find it super heartwarming and like the thing is like the main crew are these people and once that crew gels they're in it for each other
0: Yep, it's the classic crew on a ship it's like the fire, yep. it's like firefly you know on it so the main characters are the characters on the ship there's also other characters that are always yeah. that always orbit the story but the main story is always thrust through this ship the Rocinante, that and the characters who man that ship what was fun about the books is that and this happened every time. Every single book was – they would introduce new characters and I would go, ugh, new character. I don't care. I know, and yeah. then by the end of the book, I'd be like, "God damn it! I love that character. Why is there more of that character? It happened to I, every single I, book. The book I'm reading now with Teresa, I'm like, I'm like who, who is – by the, by now, yeah. I'm like, Teresa's great. This character's awesome. It happened to every do you know single what trained, book. you know what trained me for
2: that? And these actually remind me a lot of it is the, the Zahn Star Wars books. Hmm. Yes. The Zahn yeah. Star Wars books would do that thing. Where they would show you somebody, or or and you know, and you do this, and then by the end you're like, I love them. And then the other thing that they would do is they'd have you, in the what the book does, the way the basic way it's set up is that each chapter is from well, more or less a reason the for point that. of view, a,
0: na- a narrative point of view. Yeah. Right. One of James S. A. Corey, who, Ty Frannick was George R. R. Martin's assistant, yeah. so he learned. I'm sure he learned the formula f- from Martin and that was actually yeah. one of the selling points originally was it's from the yeah. assistant of George R. R. Martin it's written the same way as Game of Thrones each ca- each chapter is from the point of view of a different character and that's how it's written. Yep. You'll get to the end of that segment you'll be like what and then they'll switch to somebody else and your
2: first instinct is what are you? Fucking? and then you get wrapped into that and then they keep doing it over and over again and everyone has had a satisfying ending. I can tell you that much. Like every book stops at a point where you're like, okay, that wrapped that up. And then you do want to go to the next one. It's, it's incredibly compelling.
0: And I can't think of anything that for seven years where Ron and I've been like, Oh my God, did you read that book? Can you believe what Mm -hmm. happened in that book? Oh my God. Like, you know, the last three or four books from the eighth, like five through eight have been crazy in terms of major plot development happening. We're not going to spoil it, but like major things happening. We, I, I go to Ron like, oh my god, where are you in this book? Can you believe what happened? This things happened? Oh my god! And that's that's been happening for seven years with Ron and I. Yeah, so what, I've what, had what, to be what, very what, careful.
1: What, what was frustrating for me was that there were several books there in the middle that I was reading digitally the mo- the day they came out. And Connor, you wait for you
0: you read print editions, right? You read. Print I read copies. the soft covers. So for the ninth book, I'm gonna have to read. I'm gonna probably wait two years for the ninth book because yeah. So the so
1: there was literally stuff that happened in books. Where I'm like, oh my god, I want to talk to you about this, and then so much time passed that by the time he read the book, I forgot what I and I had to go back and reread so that we could talk about it again. But still, they're, they're like the chapters will happen. I'm like, oh my god, I, I just need to know what you know what anybody else thinks of this because it, it blew me away for X Y and Z reasons and all this sort of stuff. They are very good at at not really leaving cliffhangers, but doing it in a way to change the direction of the story in a way that you that is so um, I don't want to say extreme, but just has consequences.
0: Yeah. there's there's, yeah. there's huge consequences in this book and there's one book in the middle where they, they totally go off the formula and like on a weird planet for a whole book and that was great like they found ways to tell different kind of stories within the country of this world which I think is the most compelling thing and I can't think of another book other than when a Neil Stevenson book comes out where I drop whatever I'm reading to read the new one this book goes to the top of my queue no matter what, when it comes out and All the right.
2: problem of course is that now that I'm finished like what, how, where do you go Do you can't, I can't it's so hard to fill that niche, you know, where you're just like, I want, I want something like that makes me feel like this when I'm reading it. That's really hard because you got to start over. Well, and, they haven't know. even
0: announced the, the the release of book nine yet, and so who knows when that's. The publisher hasn't announced the release date. I don't know that it's done, but they said that they're waiting on the publisher to announce the release date. It's gonna be a while. So you you got obsessed with this, and then mm-hmm. you, that spilled over to you watching the series, which began on Sci Fi Network, yeah. and then it was picked up by Amazon after it was canceled on Sci Fi. I, th- I guess I watched all of the sci fi I haven't watched any of the Amazon seasons yet, but I only watched the sci-fi ones. What are your thoughts on the se- the TV series? Isn't only one of them on Amazon? I have no idea. I haven't watched one. One season on Amazon.
2: Season four is on Amazon. Yeah, the season one, two, season. and three were sci-fi.
0: Which is the yeah. book you were just talking about on the
2: planet. I think the show is generally good, but I say that through the lens of... I actually tried to watch it a while back, and I was like, I don't know what this is, and I stopped. So I think with the context of, like, I want to see how they interpreted this other thing, I enjoyed it. Because it's easy to be like, oh, that's not right. Oh, that's really right. you know. But they're doing a lot with a little, clearly. You know what I mean? Like, I really like – I mean the best part – not the best part. But one of the sort of first parts that really got me is the very realistic space physics. Like, yes. I don't know if yeah. they did. In the but the you series, really yeah. get the sense that they thought about how this would actually work in the real world. Much like Andy Wears the Martian.
0: It's the anti-Star Trek. There's no yeah. artificial gravity in your ships. There's none of that stuff they –
2: it's ruined artificial gravity and other stuff for me.
0: I'm like that didn't work like that, you know. And I
2: wanted to see how they did. I think they did like all the space stuff and the power armor and the sort of ships and how that all works. It's really fun to watch it get you know realized on the shows. You know, the casting is sort of all over the place yes. in places because they yeah. they would get big names and then shoehorn that person into a role that they're not really right for because they're you know trying to get people to watch it. So there's great actors. There's you know David Strathairn and um, Thomas Jane. Jared Harris, Thomas Jane uh, is. I have nothing to complain about. Thomas Jane is fantastic. Thomas Jane, Thomas Jane really sold it. I mean, it was oh, uh, the, he. He is Miller. At the, yeah, at the beginning, like, there's a real obvious difference between some TV actors who are shooting in Canada and a movie star. Even though yeah. Tom Jane's a weirdo, like he's got the thing to be <laughs> on the screen. It. And, he nailed yeah. it. Yeah, you know, Amos and Alex are two of my favorite characters. I think they're they're awesome on the TV show. Those are the two best casts on the show. Yeah. yeah. Avan is amazing on the TV show. She's amazing in the book too, though. So, like, yeah, no, yeah, no. I say that because they're great characters. Characters I love. I actually started watching it again. I'm about. I'm in the middle of the second season. (laughs) Jesus. Well, I did this. I watched the first Game of Thrones series six times. I don't know how you do that, man. Jeez. Well, because I just watch TV and I put it on. I don't have to pay attention to it. In fact, it helps me focus so that I don't. I'm doing my work and not doing something else. Okay. If that makes sense. So a lot of stuff, I re- watched it right after I read the first book, and I was like, that's not right. And now that I watched it, I was like, I realized the TV show was ahead of the books, so they knew what was coming. Yeah. And so, like, they had Amos down from the beginning, where maybe in the books, like, maybe at the beginning of the first book, they didn't really have them fully established. Mm-hmm. So when they did the show, they knew what was going to be coming later, and therefore right, the right. actors and the scripts could reflect that. So, you know, I don't think it came through in the book who Amos was really well for a little while. And then, when you sort of understand what a unique person he is, that's all in the first couple episodes of the show. But I didn't realize that at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. The show is weird because it does sort of smush books together. It's not a straight. Which it has to. Yeah, of course. It's not a straight retelling. Like book one is season one, book two, season two. It's like I think one is one, but then two is like two and three. Yes. Something like that, and it's it's so it's a little. If you're a big book fan, it's a little disconcerting for a minute, but
2: the third season, which is uh, Abaddon's Gate. It's a very different story. Yeah. Same yeah. points, but it's very not bad. It's not, I don't tend. I, it's actually really interesting to be like, "All right, how did you do it like this? Why did you do it like this?" And you sort of think of it that way, you know. And I can say I like the books better, hundred percent. But you know, it's fun to watch.
1: I'll tell you who's casting. They nailed this drummer. She's great.
2: She was just in. Um, I saw the Harrison Ford dog movie. <laughs> called the wild with the kids oh yeah she's in that right yeah. yeah but i was looking at her going who the hell like i couldn't place it because it's such a different setting yeah. and i was like oh it's drummer <laughs>
0: like, she is great it's so bizarre to me ron that for years you and i've had this thing and now josh is like a, become a super fan of it
1: well there's really no i mean i mean but that that happened in comics all the time and i'm not complaining i'm, I'm just not just josh just so alone yeah. it's just funny yeah, like I we've mean, had this
0: thing for so long and now it's like Cool. Now we got another guy who we Yeah,
2: welcome watch. to the club. It's great. Thank you. It, it, it's it really it is so much fun to sort of plow through that stuff. Like I love reading books like that.
0: And they're long. They're they're like 500 plus yeah. page books. Yeah, they're meaty. Saw, they're meaty. Well, I was doing the
2: audiobooks. The audiobooks are like 20 hours a piece or so. But I was at the library and I saw them. I was like, "Oh, those are big books." Are I great. never know how to, you know. The narrator on the audiobooks is fantastic, by the way. Is listening to audiobooks really reading? Yes, because it's basically with my life, it's the only way that I can fit it in. You know, like, I mean, it's it's a similar experience, but all the things that are great about reading, which is where you're picturing stuff in your mind's eye, that doesn't take those up the way that, like, a TV or a movie does. And you still get that sort of long, in-depth experience. The fact is, like, I wouldn't be able to read as much without doing that. And also, I can... I can be reading constantly. I'm like cooking. I'm doing the dishes. I'm, if I'm into it, like I'm just yeah. mainlining that all the time. I don't know how to refer to it because I want to say I've been reading the book, but I don't want to be like I've been listening to the book. Neither of those seem right. Do you listen to audiobooks, Ron?
1: No, I don't listen to audiobooks. I don't either. I don't have time. I,
2: well, I've been enjoying them more than podcasts because they're basically just longer form versions of that stuff.
1: Yeah, I just, I just don't have enough time to listen. I mean, my commute is 50. I'm lucky to
2: have a 15 yeah. minute commute. Yeah, so it's, yeah. yeah.
0: I just, my mind wanders.
2: You know, like I can't be working in doing it. I can be, you know, I walk the dog. I, you know, I don't, I can ride my bike. I, you know, it's things I don't have to think of. And I'm, I'm usually pretty focused. Occasionally you will lose it and I'll have to go back, like, you know, to, like I'll hear something, but like I missed something. I'll go back a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I can lock in the same way I will be listening to a podcast. Yeah. And also, you're you're invested because it's it's a story.
0: I'm re- reading the eighth book right now, and I'm reading for much longer at night than I normally do. Normally, yeah. you know, I'll try to go to bed by a certain time, but I find myself finishing and looking at the clock, and it's like an hour past when I wanted to. go. Oh get yeah, that. it's
2: like the first half of the Stevenson book. Yeah, fall or dodge in hell, but the first half, man, couldn't get enough. The
0: last half was a slog. <laughs> 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 so we wanted to talk about something to, to close the show out that we all three were into. And again, we talked about the top of the show. How strange for media it is right now, considering what's going on in the world. So, we had all watched the McMillions documentary on HBO that just wrapped up a few weeks ago. Let's give some background before we get into the show itself. Many of you probably read the article that was on the was on the the, the Daily Beast. It was the Daily Beast. Yeah, the Daily Beast did an article that flew all over the internet. That was about the McDonald's monopoly game scam. That none, none of it was real. That it was all—all all the big winners were fake—and it blew, flew all over the internet, and everyone was crazy. And Ben Affleck optioned it for a film. And
1: yeah, no, hang on. So, so this article came out on the Daily Beast. and I'll never forget it because I was flying home from somewhere and I was sitting in the sitting in the airport, and I just saw this, you know, McDonald's scam kind of thing. So I read it. It was a long article. I read the whole thing, and it was absolutely fascinating. Was I remember sharing. I remember sharing it with you guys and going, "You guys got to read this." That. Because basically, what it was was the the McDonald's monopoly game that we all grew up with in the in the late '80s, early '90s, where you know you got game pieces and you could win a million dollars or win a car or whatever. Turns out there was a multi-year, twelve-year scam going on, and it all fell apart and all got busted, and it all happened days before 9/11 on 2001.
0: No one knows about it because the the news came out like exactly. September 9th. As Ron said, everyone in in America was probably aware of the game. It went in for years. And to find out that none of the major winners were real was a shocker. And to find out 20 years later was even crazier. And so a feature film was optioned by Ben Affleck's team. That has gone nowhere. Well, it's dead. It's, it was a casualty of the Disney-Fox merger. And so HBO ended up doing a documentary about it, a six-part documentary called McMillions, in which they interviewed all the major players in it, and this was the kind of thing where I think we all sort of watched it, and then it was, are you watching this McMillian show?
2: <laughs> and
0: then it became a thing where every week we would commiserate about it. I thought six episodes was a little long. It could have been four or five. That's my one complaint. So I
1: enjoyed it. Having know the sto- having known the story but not knowing any of the players, it was really interesting to see a lot of the people who were involved in it. They had the one of the main – there were two main FBI agents, one declined to participate, the other one – for obvious reasons, <laughs> participated times ten. Was
0: thrilled to participate. Yeah,
1: they had the district attorney Devereaux who prosecuted
0: it. Who I was fascinated by that guy. I thought he was great. They had the whole team of. Yeah, they had the supervisor. They had all the guys. And that involved.
1: one guy, Rick Dent, wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't right. Play, but they had everybody else. They had. I all love that. Yeah. yeah. And then they had a bunch of people who were involved in it, the quote unquote winners. They had the wives of some of the men who were orchestrating it. And it was just really fascinating to put names to faces and things like that. That said I really enjoyed it. I gave it I would give it probably a B plus. It was it was definitely enjoyable to watch. I do agree with you, Connor, that I six was too long. If this was a tight four episode yeah. series, it would have been great. Because what happened was is that for at least half the episodes, they were able to put out a question and spend the entire hour dancing around that question and then end on a cliffhanger on a stinger that you didn't see coming or that blew your mind. And so when they did that, it worked, but right in the middle they got lost in the details of some of the players' lives, and yep. it really slowed down the pace, and it really slowed down the show. Like episode four and five, there are times where I'm like, oh, man, just get, get – every, every time they left the FBI, I found myself being yeah. bored One, and wanting and to get back. One, two, and three
0: were terrific, and then four and five, it was once we delved into the lives of the mob guys, yes. and I was like, well, I don't really care about this guy's <laughs> club I, I, in Florida.
2: Some of that, though, I mean, those were some fascinating characters. They weren't Agent Matthews, necessarily, but... <laughs> I mean, like, my favorite, I could have watched Frank Columbo, the mobster guy. His brother yes. and his wife. I could have watched that all day. Because the thing about all of that is... Why are you people talking? Right. I thought it every moment, especially... Like, basically, Frank Columbo... I can't remember his brother's name, but, you know, like... He's like the weird odd man out. He's the Fredo, Jerry,
0: Jerry Colombo. He's Fredo. Yeah, he clearly wanted to be involved in that stuff, was never involved, right. and therefore was always on the fringes of it.
2: And now he's like in his Florida home with his wife, you know, like and they and sort of coffee. speak together. Yeah, and it was and just his kid works at McDonald's. <laughs> Amen.
0: Like it was all. There were so many things. It was full of interesting characters, and because it it was all centered around Florida, and it's almost. Yeah. <laughs> what I thought of, they never talked about in the show, was that McDonald's never caught on. And the only reason this all blew up because was because someone, you find out who, through the course of the documentary, ratted to the FBI. I don't, I don't use ratted a pejorative, but they, they leaked to the FBI this was happening. But if not, it never would have come out. But you think that someone at McDonald's would have seen that all the winners were in Florida. That's what everyone by, said, by the way. I called the informant. Interesting. Oh, you did? Yes. Interesting. Like nine out of ten of them are in Florida. And you think somebody in McDonald's headquarters would have gone? Wait a minute. The journalist, the
1: journalist who who the, the, that was the when they, they told the FBI story about the day before they're going to do the the arrests and they're faxing uh, yeah, yeah. all the different agencies. And one one report got sent to a to a newspaper by accident, and no one would take
2: credit for it. it was very funny. That, but, but that was but, my favorite cut in the entire yes, thing. That <laughs> was I'm not going to say who. They cut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not but, the one who did it. But, and then but, later.
1: Um, oh, but the, the, the fact that that journalist says the journalist from South Carolina who is like how we didn't put it together. I don't understand. We wrote for, you know, we had four winners from our zip code and we wrote articles about all of them. How did we not realize like it, 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 this whole thing was like it was the, the crime was just enough below the radar to not matter because the contest happened once a year. Well, it right? was also d- it was smart
0: enough and dumb enough. Yes, because it was it was yes. really smartly organized, but it was dumb in the execution. In that, again, they all the winners were basically in the same geographical. Like that was the weird thing about this: it was a very sophisticated crime, but they executed it in a really dumb manner. And you just it was just in that middle gray area where no one caught onto it.
2: Right, you know, they
0: could have done it. it. Was a twelve million dollar scam? I think they said at the end. It was like. The guy, he the guy knows. who ran it, he stole twelve million dollars. That was twenty four, but he ended up with half, so he had $12 yeah, million. Yeah, it was
1: twenty four million total. He 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 owned resti- uh, Jerry Jacobson, the guy who did all the, who stole all the pieces, uh, owed twelve million in restitution, which he's he pays like three hundred and seventy dollars a month for the rest <laughs> all right, of his don't, life. Don't basically. give him too
2: much. I think the thing that it's like you watch you go. All oh, right, criminals are stupid. Yeah, and then I think the thing that blew me away the most is like. These are not what I thought FBI people were like. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why
0: they were talking. I don't know why the one guy was talking, but everyone else, I well, was Well, they were retired. Like, the guy, the supervisor Tim, or whoever it was, H- he was great. He was retired. They, most of the people they were retired. Tar- Plus, it's a boon for the FBI. Oh, yeah, they, no, get, they get to talk totally about a successful it. investigation, and the FBI is not against publicizing no, it itself. That's true. What was interesting is the
1: whole last episode was all around the idea of, of who who the informant was and who tipped it off. And they did a really good job of giving you a red herring by way of the IRS yeah. and really have you believing that's how it happened. But then our favorite agent, Agent Matthews from the <laughs> FBI, points out, it's like, if the IRS was involved, they would have been right there with us a- a- announcing the bust and they yeah. were nowhere to be seen, which is totally true, too.
0: We should mention D- Agent Doug Matthews is the star of the documentary he is one he's of the, the star he, of hbo right now he's the yeah. agent who saw the post-it note about mcdonald's ran with it ended up blowing it all up i loved his outside the box thinking which always tended to work yep i loved his gold suit he's a loudmouth, crazy person but he had really good ideas and he and he moved that case forward and he is imminently watchable even when yes. he's just and he was actually really good on camera in terms of he could break down really complicated investigatory oh, ideas in a very simple and easy to understand way. He was actually really he was very funny and entertaining, but he was also really good at being on camera and to talking to the camera. And he was yeah. anytime he was on, it was terrific. When he was gone for a long time, it was not so great. I love the whole yeah, exactly. Every time every time they went away from the FBI it, it, the show dragged
1: enough with the mobster's wife. Like she was a not tell me that's not interesting. What I found what it was for an episode it, right. She got she had three episodes basically out of out of right, that. Right, but was like she, at the one part she's made up, and then the next part she just looks like she's yeah like fell off a truck. They, <laughs> they they did that a lot. They did that with the monster's brother too, where they did two. Interview sessions, and one is like really made up, looking nice, good, good setup, and everything yep. like that. And the the other one is on a crappy couch and on a you know like more disheveled, more like natural. And I I really wonder what the filmmaker if that was just by byproduct of of what you know the shoot or if that was a, a a creative choice.
0: Well, I think they were showing that none of these people were living extravagant. They were all kind of sad. Everyone yeah. involved in the scam were just kind of sad. There was no one. I mean, we never talked to the regulator because he wouldn't talk to them for obvious reasons. But everyone else who was involved in the scam was just kind of pathetic. Yeah, and that was kind of shown in the way they, they did the interviews. Despite the part that it dragged in the middle, I thought it was incredibly fascinating. I loved all the characters. I loved the half brother who became friends with the prosecutor. The guy who comes on towards the end, who with the mustache, who was like the career criminal who got involved. Yep, I thought they were all interesting. AJ Plum. That guy was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. They were all interesting weirdos, I and mean, they were all – said they'd all do it again. Yeah, and It was all – it was a fascinating look at crime, investigations, and the justice system because at the end of the day, they all got very little time in prison. They all got arrested, and they all served like a it was year. All
1: basically, it was basically mail fraud, which the most was three years in prison, right? Yeah, and I was so discussing it, it
0: afterwards with somebody. I was like, why wouldn't you do white-collar crime? Right, like, yeah. You, you, still, you steal $24 million? <laughs> and you go to prison for three months, and you come out, and you have all the money because they can't find it. Like, why wouldn't you do white <laughs> collar crime? That was like the the, the sort I of the message. I would like anyone listening out. to notice that, uh, <laughs>
1: that, that that I am
0: not associated with Connor Kilpatrick. <laughs> that his opinions speak for himself. But it's, so. it, it explains why people keep doing it. It's not like you know, crime with a gun. If you pulled out a gun and robbed twenty four million dollars, you'd go to jail for twenty five years. But if you do it through a fraud, you go to jail for four months. It yeah. explains why it keeps happening. But it was. For all its faults, I thought it was a really fascinating and interesting documentary, and I thought the characters were were delightful.
1: Yep. Yep. It, it was great. It was, it was totally enjoyable. It was, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, complaining about the, the length of it and, and it meandering in episodes four and five still yeah. was riveted, still was watching it, still wanted to know everything, wanted to know how it all wrapped up, how it all ended. It's just a great story. And it's just, it's kind of a bummer that the, the dramatized, you know, kind of movie version of it isn't going to get made. Maybe it will someday, but it just, it's it's a kind of story that can only exist in that period of time, you know, and it's like in a moment, you know, or technology could lock that sort of thing down. I was fascinated by the McDonald's security people who yes. had no idea. They completely outsourced this entire thing to a marketing company. They had no idea how it worked. They had no idea. Like you, you talk about the, the millions of dollars being spent on it, and they were just like, "Yeah, we were shocked."
0: And it's yeah, just who like, knew they it, were it, running it for yeah. us? Yeah. Like, I, how, you guys have yeah, any oversight? Yeah. I
2: can believe that. Yeah, no, for sure. I totally can believe
0: it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. If you're a fan of documentaries, if you read that article. And wanted to see more. This is a great documentary to track down. McMillian's Mac- six episodes. It's about six hours. Some of the episodes were longer than others, but you get about six hours of entertainment out of it. Again, if you're looking for uh, time while you're home, working from home, quotes. Um, this, yep. is, this is a good one to do. This is a great one for the background, too, because it's not super visual. It's just a lot of talking heads for the most part. So you can have it in the background while you're working. But one of the, one of the better documentary series to come out in a while, I think.
2: The lady who worked for McDonald's, Amy. Yep is the most of indeterminate age person I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you really hung up on that. It was just the I couldn't figure it out. Like she had the neck of a ninety year old woman and then the face of a thirty five year old. Like it was just
0: she was all over it was very I was like oh, is she retired? She might have had a little crush on Agent Matthews. Did you <laughs> notice that at the end she was like I never got a letter from Agent Matthews.
2: I mean who could you blame her? No. He's delightful <laughs>
0: All right, so this has been the first episode of iFanboy Media Explode, our non-comics media show that we're going to do once a month should the patrons knock us back over the stretch goal. And so if you want to hear more of this, you want to hear us talk about non-comic stuff, if you want to hear the promised, almost famous debate, that'll come if you go to patreon.com slash iFanboy and support us there. Get us over that stretch goal permanently, and then you'll get this show permanently, much like you've gotten the Book Explode show and the and the talks blood show, both unlocked by the patrons, and those are shows we've been doing for years now because of the patrons, because we have the stretch goal. So if you want to hit this stretch goal, patreon.com slash iFanboy, and Josh and I are looking forward to that debate. We just didn't want to do it for this show, which was going to be possibly the only show you got. Anyway. <laughs> but we look forward to it. We're looking forward to the <laughs> almost famous debate, in which Josh hates the movie, Ugh, and I love it. Unbelievable.
2: Unbelievable. That's, that is so incorrect.
0: <laughs> so if you want more of this... You know where to go. In the meantime, you know that you can find our regular shows over at fanboy.com, our weekly pick of the week show, our book blows, our talk blows, our special edition shows, in which we, t- we review movies and things, our animated shows, our, our reviewing of animated shows, not actual animated shows. It's all at fanboy.com. Anything else, guys? I think no. that's it. Yeah. yeah. This was fun.
1: Thank you to the patrons. Please, I would like to come back and podcast with these guys on a regular basis. So that would Let's make good. that ha- let's make that happen. That's what that would mean.
0: That's true. Yeah. Ron can come and talk about non-comic stuff. But that's no problem. And, and as we said at the top of the show, our yearly all-media year-end show is always our most popular show of the year. If you, yeah, and that, here's a little behind the curtains. If you look at downloads, it's our most popular show of the year. So if you want to get a little bit of that every every month, you know where to go. You know, you know, you know where to check out. So thanks everyone who listened. I'm Connor. I'm Ron. Josh?
2: Go. Oh,
1: we're off. We're, we're way on, off. Though. Josh, you're normally last, You're always right? last,
0: Josh. You're always I last, No,
1: but
2: like, it was, it's different now. He's not. He's like a guest. I'm like, well, am I supposed to... As I'm the not host? a guest. I'm not a guest. I'm a no, host on this like one. like it. Listen, no. pal. Listen. Ugh.
1: I was deferring. I was respecting you by letting you go last. All right. All right,
0: yeah. fine. All right, so maybe we'll see you next month. I'm Josh. Until then, I'm Ron.